I'm Hillary. And I'm Sandra. Coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk to Sherry, who is a victim of a romance scam. You've all heard of catfishing. Well, she is going to talk about her catfishing experience. I think when we think about people who get catfished, you think, oh, they must be dumb. But it's not always the case. Her story is really interesting. The Quick and the Dirty Podcast with Hillary Welch and Sandra Plagakis. So, Hillary, I want to talk about something that it's kind of embarrassing, but kind of important to talk about as well. I would like to discuss my anal cavity, if that's okay with you. Um, I'm not sure it is, but continue. (laughs) Also known as my asshole. Uh, I'm getting a colonoscopy and I'm dying. I'm dying. Why? Yeah. Oh. Well, first of all, um, I have to get it, obviously, for medical reasons. I, I get bouts of diverticulitis, and I know I've had to do this. But honestly, COVID put it off, and I wasn't mad about it. But I have one coming up in about a month. And the thought of being bent over with someone probing my asshole is is mortifying to me. Like, at this point, the doctor should put on a ma- uh, an alien mask. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I'll be alien probed. I just... I, I'm it's not, not I, that I bad. Like I don't like that. I don't like the idea of my asshole being probed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's the deal. You're going to be so high, you're not going to care. Like, you worry whether you're going to be tensed up and stuff. Nope. You're going to be loosey-goosey. You're going to be all cleaned out and perfect. You can do your pre-grooming. So I had to get one a couple of years ago before a surgery. And uh, they were just checking on a few things. And it's honestly not bad at all because you are so high. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I've, I've been told that before. I've heard that the preparation is an exorcism. Is that right? It's pretty much, it's awful. Shit. Like you're going to want to lock yourself on a floor of your house and not have your family around because nobody needs to hear that. Okay. Well, I don't want them around anyway, so this works out really well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, okay, I can muster up the, the nerve to sort of manage that. But here's what I'm kind of, the, the truth of the matter is this is what I'm really worried about. What position am I in when they decide to go all up in my asshole? I don't know if it depends on the doctor, but I was on my side with one leg kind of straight and one leg kind of in recovery position, you know, from being drunk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, got it. Yeah, I get it now. And then, yeah, they just get in there. Um, And it's not that at all. I don't understand. On my side, they they can get into it like that? Oh, yeah. Like you have one leg kind of forward. You're like half on your side, half on your tummy. Okay. All right. Um, I don't love it, but uh, I love that more than what I thought. Honest to God, I haven't Googled it because I didn't want to know too much heading into the procedure. I honestly thought that they had like, um, <laughs> oh, this is what I thought. God, I'm so dumb now. I feel so stupid. Uh, okay. You know, you know, like uh, a doctor's table that you would lie on. Okay. Yeah. I thought, I thought that they bent you over it. Like you're getting, <laughs> like you're about to get fucked. Like head down, ass up. Like head down. <laughs> ass up take it like a bitch like uh, i swear to god i thought that's what it was no not at all plus like you're not even really lucid i don't even think i was fully awake for mine like i remember the <laughs> drugs which are so good and i asked my doctor the most embarrassing thing ever what Okay, so I get into the room and I'm like, okay, this is a butt doctor. It's going to be like kind of a weird person because you've got to be 
to be into butts. And (laughs) so I get there. She's like a beautiful 30-year-old woman. And as the anesthetic is kind of kicking in, I turned to her and I asked her, so how'd you get into butts anyway? (laughs) And I want to know the answer. And I don't remember the answer. Oh, shit. You passed out before she could give it? Um. There is one embarrassing thing that has to happen, though, Sandra. No, no. I. What is it? Okay, so the procedure is fine. The prep work, you're aware. Okay. The worst part of the whole procedure is afterwards, they put you in a room with other people, and they won't let you leave until you fart. <laughs> Come on. Are you serious? <laughs> you're not, are you serious? I'm serious. They so will not I let you to... leave until oh, you fart. Fuck. I have to have a group fart with people? <laughs> yes. Are you serious? I have to sit in a room with people I don't know and fart? Yep. Oh, my God, Hillary. I can't. (laughs) I can't do that. I have spent many years puckering my asshole so that doesn't happen. You don't understand how good my (laughs) sphincter control is because I'm a goddamn lady. Are you goddamn kidding me? Oh, my God. No. Yeah. It's the worst part of the whole thing. Can I just lie? Uh, it's probably not well advised. No. Like I don't have like somebody around sniffing, do I? <laughs> just to confirm. <laughs> well, like... there's nothing in there. So it won't be a stinky fart. It's just an air fart because they fill you full of air to do the procedure. Okay. Once you once it's happened, do you have the same sphincter control that you did before? Because once you've been probed, <laughs> I could see that you maybe your muscles might be off. No, Seriously. everything goes back to normal. Let, you never have to oh, fart fuck. in front of people again. God damn it. How do back to your doctor for a second? Can I just? I'd like to. How I, that? I think that was a valid question. But do you think if you're a butt doctor and you meet a dude, there's like an expectation? <laughs> or maybe like no, because it's just like uh, I don't want to do work at home. Like <laughs> that's right. <laughs> she just doesn't do anal because it just doesn't bring it's... her work home. That's the way. <laughs> She either doesn't do anal because, again, it reminds her of her job too much, or she exclusively does anal. It's one or the other for sure. By now, you've probably heard of the expression catfishing. Uh, A catfishing scam basically is when people give money to people they've met online and they find out at the end of it all that they were being scammed. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk to a woman who was scammed out of $20,000 by some dude she met online. Please welcome to the Quick and the Dirty podcast, Sherry. Hello. Hello. Sherry, I guess there's no other way to start this conversation than to ask you, how did it all begin? Okay. It's it's really quite a long story. Um, I was in this drama for about 18 months by what happened is um, after the U.S. presidential election, I met a lot of people online that were very like-minded to um, what my beliefs and the groups, just, we just grew as groups, and friends would become friends with people. We talked all the time, and I was getting a lot of friend requests. And I was always very careful with the request. And I had one in particular man that asked to be my friend, and I didn't accept it immediately. And I just let, let it sit out there. And a couple of months later, going through the request again, deleting ones I don't want to accept, and I came across his 
Now, he was an attractive man, but that's not what caught my eye. What caught my eye is he, he said he was from Paris, France. I love Paris. I love France. It's one of my favorite places. So I accepted the request. Immediately, I received a wave on Messenger, and I didn't respond because I don't. I don't talk to people that I don't know on Messenger. So, And it continued. For weeks, he continued to send waves. And then just one day, I don't know why, but I said hello or I waved back, and then it just immediately started. He started sending me all kinds of information about him via messenger, telling me all about himself. And I was intrigued because I really, really wanted to talk to a native speaker. I wanted to learn French. And I thought it would just be cool to have a, a friend from Paris. So it just it just went on from there. Um, he asked for my phone number. I was hesitant about providing it, but I did after he sent me his. And then he just started sending me all these pictures of himself. You know, and why? He uh, here's very, a question. Why aren't romance scammers ever ugly? <laughs> why are they always? I don't know. <laughs> I don't really, really know. right? It might solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, huh? <laughs> it, it didn't hurt that he was French and good looking. Come on now. Exactly, exactly. So it just it just went on from there. We became very good friends. I considered him to be a good friend of mine. We talked about everything, politics, art, religion, um, uh, books, movies. Um, he was we talked a lot about um, – he was big into reincarnation, and that just fascinated me that he was – that he wanted to talk about that all the time. So he's very intelligent. He was supposedly well-educated at the Sorbonne and um, uh, furthered his master's in London. And he just, he knew about everything. He was not, he wasn't a stupid person. But at the beginning of this, sorry to interrupt, Sherry, but at the beginning of this, didn't you ever wonder, how did he find me on Facebook? I mean, you live in the United States and he's in France. Like, I often wonder, because I get friended from people all around the world, and I think, how did I get into your feed? Right? So did that, that ever I, I dawn on you? Him that. I asked him that. And my, um, my cover picture on, the, on my Facebook page is me standing in the middle of the Champs-Élysées. And I don't know if that's how he found me. He never really answered the question. Okay. So you're, you've become really, really good friends. How many months had gone by before he actually asked you for money? It was probably five or six months. Um, he started telling me that he was having some difficulties. He was supposedly bringing in some antiques from Mexico and that he had, he'd had problems getting, getting them through customs and that he had drained his bank accounts. He had borrowed money from a bank. He'd borrowed money from friends. He sold his car and that he needed money. Well, he never directly asked me, and I just told him, you need to solve it. That's your problem. And so thinking that that would be the end of it, um, he would go away, but he didn't. He, he, he kind of ghosted me for a little bit, and then he came back. So he continues to talk about the problems that he's having in Texas, trying to get his, his art work in, and he starts telling me things that – um, what was really weird is he sent me his driver's license, a copy of his driver's license. I guess he was trying to convince me that he was he was real at that point because I was kind of asking him some questions about his stories. 
and um, I did check out the driver's license, and it didn't seem legit to me, but I didn't know enough about a Texas driver's license to really, you know, question it. Right. So things just went on. A couple, you know, weeks went by. He didn't mention it. I thought, okay, that's done. It's over with. And then he he contacts me because he has an offer to go to New York for an art job. He's an artist. He, he paints. He sculpts. And that it would be a very a very good um, um, experience financially for him. But he couldn't get there. So he needed money to to buy a plane ticket, to pay for supplies, to um, just to live for a week or so in New York. And I said no, and I said no, and I said no. And then he called me one night, and he was upset, in tears, almost suicidal, and I couldn't have that on my conscience. So I said yes, and I sent him money. Wow. And he perked up immediately. I was going to say, like, what was the reaction when you sent him the money? And how did he go about proving that he actually ended up going to New York? Well, he never really proved that he was there. What the strange thing was is that he was talking to me, supposedly, when he was at the airport and, of course, getting ready to board the plane. And I remember calling his phone because I just wanted to leave him a message for when he arrived. And it, it went to his voicemail. So his phone was not turned off for security reasons. So I thought that was really kind of strange. I thought, okay, I've done that before. I failed to turn my phone off. thought I did. So he spent the allotted amount of time it would take to get from Austin to New York, and I heard from him. And then he went into, you know, describing what he was doing, buying supplies, where he was eating, um, things like that. But his phone camera was broken because I asked for pictures. Okay, because that's what, what I was going to ask you is, first of all, before we get into, okay, because I, I, I want to ask you this, you, you, you're you spending five months, six months talking to somebody uh, on the phone. Did you ever video chat with this guy to prove he was real? No, I never even thought of it. That just, I, I didn't think that it was necessary. Right. And it's kind of old school, too, because video chatting is sort of a new way to do things. I wouldn't think about video chatting either. I always use the phone as well. Right. And he was but he was sending you what you thought were fresh pictures of him from time to time. Yes, I did. And he would always make a point of telling me that, oh, my friend took this picture of me. I asked him to take a picture and they sent it to me and I'm sending it to you. Proving that his camera was broken on his phone. Yes. Okay, yeah. I'm so I'm so sorry. To I, have, so I want to I want you to cut to New York now, where, or where he says anyway that he was in New York, and when you when you realize it, that something was really wrong. Well, it, he came back from New York. He was there for about a week, week and a half, and it just you know every day he would tell me what his day consisted of and and things like that, um, and he would send pictures of artwork, which I did eventually Google that after I was convinced that he was a fraud. And I found the real artist that produced the work, um, things like that. So he, he came back from New York, back to Austin, Texas, and just picked up where he left off. We just continued to talk. He was paid handsomely. He, he told me he made about 25000 on this, this particular job. 
and that he was settling some of his debt. So I really thought it was over. The financial part was over. So we just continued on with our with our daily lives. I talked to this man probably, gosh, 10, 15 times a day. Not text and how much time would you spend a day talking to him? In the evenings, probably at least two to three hours. He would call me in the mornings. Um, he had told me that he adjusted his schedule because Austin is an hour behind me to get up earlier so that he could talk to me before I went to work. And that was daily. He talked to me in the mornings. I talked to him in the evenings, and he called me before I went to bed every night. Was there ever something in you that thought this guy is too good to be true? Like he seemed to tick all the boxes of things that you were interested in. You matched up on politics. You matched up on so many things. And that's so unlikely. Absolutely. I did. But at this point, my heart was ruling, not my head any longer. I was starting to care about this man. The first time that he said Jatem to me, I just about melted. Yeah. I wanted him to be real. So you, just backtracking for a minute, this is what I, what I, I mean, I understand that it's probably hard for you to tell this story because you probably feel pretty shitty about what went down because I can hear in your voice that you kind of suspected this guy was not on the up and up when he was in New York and you already busted him for showing you artwork that wasn't his. So why did you continue the relationship when your gut was telling you something else? Well, I, I, busting him on the artwork came months later when I, I started to really piece things together. It wasn't when he was in New York. It was months and months later. I, w- I had fallen for him. I mean, that's the long and the short of it is I cared about this man. Right. He, he, knew, he, he knew me very well. I have probably never been that honest and close to someone as I was to a man I was talking to on the phone. So do you feel that he had like almost a psychological profile of who you were before he became your friend or was just so smart he was able to tailor himself to what he thought you wanted? I think both. He, very intelligent. The books that he would read blew my mind. He, yes, I think both. I think he tailored it exactly to what he thought I needed. They, they, tell you that these scammers are stupid, that they are not. He was college educated. He was very well educated. Well, uh, after New York, how much money had you invested into the relationship so far? At New York, it was only five. So, um, and it was coming to um, the fall time of, of 2008. And I go on an annual trip with my best friend every year to California. We go to Napa because they harvest the grapes in the fall. And we always like to be there when they do that. So I'm getting ready to go out, plan the trip to get out there. And he starts trying to pull this jealousy card with me that, um, because the angle with the antiques had not worked. So now the angle was to try to make me jealous. So he's a nice looking man. He is an artist. He's into photography. He does supposedly does a lot of um, work around in the Austin area um, for modeling agencies and things like that. So he starts talking about women and starts telling me about all these women that want him, that want to be with him. And that, and he starts playing that card. So I'm getting, 
you know, I didn't get upset. I was just like, okay, whatever, you know, but I didn't like it either. So I'm planning my trip to um, um, San Francisco, to Sacramento, and he tells me he's going out the night before with one of these women that want him. And I'm like, okay, have fun. Send me a picture, whatever. And that night afterwards, he comes back to tell me that this person is very interested in him. He's known it all along. And she's willing to help him financially. So maybe that's where his interest should be. I couldn't believe that. I was what shocked. What a dick. <laughs> what a dickhead. <laughs> so, so we got into a fight, and I left the next day for, for Napa. So while I was there, he, I guess he realized that that wasn't really going to work with me and um, just begging for forgiveness and everything like that. And, of course, I'm with my best friend, and I don't really want to be dealing with this while I'm on this trip, but I'm still talking to him a little bit. So then all of a sudden, he's in Paris, France, according to his next story. And he left to go to Paris, France because he was so upset over what happened between us. So he's in Paris, and he is—he doesn't know if he's going to return, but he wants to. He wants to because he wants to see if this relationship can can go further. But guess what? He can't get home. He could get there, but he couldn't get back, huh? How how convenient? Yes, <laughs> yes supposedly his brother had paid for his plane ticket, but was not going to pay for him to return back to Austin because <laughs> he wanted him to stay in Paris. Okay, so now we so can talk anyway, some new drama for you to help resolve. Yes. So the whole weekend he is playing on that. He wants to go back to Austin, settle his affairs, and move to be closer to me. And I mean, he's sweet and and smart and intelligent. He knows exactly what to say. And I fell for it. So I sent him the money. And then next thing you know, he's in Austin again. No, he was supposed to be flying to to my city. He sent me a very realistic plane ticket. And in fact, it wasn't until later on that when I started really, really looking at that ticket. I never would have noticed the, the mistakes in it, but they're, they're not big mistakes. They're very, very small. He was so good. He even had um, uh, one of the numbers when I mean, you have like your, uh, uh, a frequent flyer on there. He had all of that information on this ticket. So he's taken off, supposed to be leaving, um, flying to the U.S., flying to Washington, D.C. And I wait again the allotted amount of time for him to land. And then nothing. The plane lands. The plane landed early. I hear nothing. And I am just, just, that was it. That's when I knew. I call my best friend. We start um, trying to track him down with what we thought we could find. Um, He had given me a Paris number. I called that number. No one answered because it was supposed to be his brother's phone. Um, Just at that point, I knew that was it. it. I had been swindled. Oh, boy. Hours I, later, boy, he oh calls. Boy. And now the story gets more intense. Wait a second. He, he called you in- back? He, he he doesn't show up on the plane, and then he calls you? Yes. Oh, because God. Because he's going to see if he can keep going with it. Of course. 
He's going to see. This man has told me that he, in 2019, swindled people out of over half a million dollars. So you've kept in touch or you've gotten back in touch with him after your episode and you've learned more about his situation. I cannot wait to hear about this, but let's go back to he calls you after not landing on the airplane. What happens next? He calls me in the middle of the night um, and and just my phone. I couldn't get my phone to work. I don't know what's going on. My phone wouldn't work. I'm in Washington, D.C., um, but I can't I can't leave. I have to stay there because the woman that I went out with a couple of nights ago, I borrowed money from her too, and she wants it back, and she has mafia ties. And I just, I laughed. I just absolutely <laughs> laughed. And that pissed him off. Um, so he's in Washington, D.C., and I'm not willing to, to help him. And it just goes on. It just spirals at that point. The story just gets absolutely ridiculous about what's happening to him. Um, he even so far one night when he called me, he was supposedly drinking and had taken pills and they even played it to where paramedics came to rescue him. I could hear them in the background talking to him oh. to see if he was okay. Wow. So he's good. At that point it was, how do I turn the tables? How do I catch him? What do I do next? So what did and you do? And I let him on. Okay. So I continued to, and we would go where we wouldn't talk for weeks at a time, and then all of a sudden I would hear from him, or, or even I would reach out because I wasn't done. I needed something to prove to me that he was not the man in the pictures. But wait a and second, but wait a I second, could. Sherry. At this right. point, you already know he's not, don't you? Like, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I do, but no, I do know. Believe me, I know. But I needed that last piece of evidence. I needed to know who. You needed closure. Yes. Like, everybody needs closure. Yes. So I continued to talk to him for another nine or ten months, copying everything he sent to me. Uh, every picture, every conversation, trying to figure it out. And he continued to send me pictures because I let him think that, yeah, possibly, possibly, I still believed him. That I still wanted to, to see what I could do to help him. Right. And it was very hard to do that. That's where I feel like I lost my soul a little bit. But I had a bigger goal. I wanted to see if I could catch him and have him arrested. So you went on for nine or ten months uh, under a ruse that you were in a good, you know, that you believed him and everything was great. Uh, how did this relationship finally end? When I found the real person. You found him? I, I, yes, I know who the real person is. So, um, holy shit. I, <laughs> Sorry. With all these pictures. Holy shit, Sherry. <laughs> I can't believe you found him. Oh, yeah. Okay. With all the pictures that I had, and I, I started one night looking at them and looking at things I could have missed. What did I miss in these pictures that would lead me to find the real person? I was so determined that I was looking at – a lot of the pictures came in from, like, New York or New Jersey, the Jersey Shore. So – his, the next story that he went on with is that he was now living in Long Island. So he was sending me pictures 
of the beach and places in um, like Asbury Park in New Jersey. So I'm determined I'm going to find the restaurant that he's sending me pictures from. I'm going to find this hotel that he's standing in the lobby, where he's standing in the lobby. So I start looking at restaurants, Italian restaurants in Asbury Park. I start looking at the carpet in hotels to narrow it down. So I start um, kind of to back up. I joined some support groups on Facebook, and I joined one in particular because I was running pictures through Social Catfish, and they had a support group, and they asked me to join it. So I did. It was my first support group. And in that support group, I became friends with two other women that had very similar stories. And we just we started you know talking each day and we decided that's how we got into where we're gonna why we're writing the book, why we're gonna do what we can do to to stop this, to change section two thirty of the Communications Decency Act, the things that we're doing today. So we start talking and one of the girls lives in Long Branch, New Jersey, outside of Asbury Park. So she invites me to come up. We were gonna go restaurant to restaurant to bar to bar to hotel to hotel with his pictures to see if anybody knew him. And right before I was getting ready to leave, I was sending the girls some of the pictures that I'd been looking at to see if they could identify anything. We, we figured out the, the Ferris wheel that was on um, at, at Asbury Park. So we knew that these pictures that he'd recently sent to me had come from there. So I, I um, so I'm sending them pictures, trying to get just to find more leads, and I send them a picture of him and who the man that is supposed to be his brother, sitting at in this really really nice home. Well, one of the girls runs that picture through a reverse image search, and we find out that it's in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh. So we have our first clue. Then I go back and I look at this other picture that he had sent to me from April of 2019. And it's him and this man standing in front of this postage stamp. And it says April of 2019, Kansas City, Missouri. I never caught it. I never caught that. So now you know that he's not where he says he is. He's actually in Kansas. The the real man is. The real man is. so just to be clear, the pictures him. that he's sending you are not of him. They are of a fake person that he's putting. It's just a, a fake person, and he's stolen probably this person's identity. Is that right? Yes, he's stolen this man's identity. Oh, boy. So I'm I'm driving home, and Mo, well, I don't want to say her name. My, my friend um, starts. We find the house. So it's this famous house in Kansas City that had just gone up for auction. And there was this big article about the house and about the parties that the owners would throw at this house. And so my friend starts looking at the attendees of the party on Facebook, copies all the names down. She starts searching their profiles. Lo and behold, we find them. She finds them. Oh, boy. So, so okay. So now what do you do? Got to breathe here for a second. Got to be, well... That's what I needed. I had to let it marinate, right? Because that was that was my closure. That's exactly what I needed. So I didn't really do anything. I contacted John. That's his name. 
and um, told him I, I knew who the real person was. And he had the audacity to try to tell me that this man was stealing his pictures. Right. He was the real man. Well, I mean, once you're a scam artist, well, you're not going to give yourself up that quickly, right? <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you've got to fight to the end. Exactly. You might as well keep playing it. So then how did you move forward from here? What was your final goal? You wanted to get him arrested. And were you able him. to do that? No. I have reached out to the EFCC in Nigeria um, and provided information. I have been in touch with the FBI. I've, been, I've posted him on the FTC. I have con- contacted the local police. But... And I'll tell you, because this comes up later down the road, they are so hidden, it's hard to catch them. Um, but so I, you've reached out to Nigeria. Is he Nigerian? The, yes, he's Nigerian. The man who's catfishing you? The, the man, the, the one that was texting me is Nigerian. And how do you, okay, I, I, won't, I don't want to get too heavy on the details here. I just want to say you, 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 he knows that you know, though. That he was scamming you yes. the whole time. And is he, when did he completely leave your life? I mean, he must have left it, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I haven't talked to him in quite some time. Um, he kept trying to convince me to believe him just one more time. Hmm. I'll show up at the airport just one more time. I promise you, I am the man in the pictures. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> so, but. My goal was because I was involved with these other two women, and we started the process of writing the book and trying to figure out how we were going to move forward with what we want to do um, with this this criminal act. Um, I kept letting one of the members convince me to keep talking to him, which I never should have done because she thought, let's get more information. Let's continue to talk with him, and I, I probably shouldn't have. So I'm getting involved in other groups that are on Facebook and one in particular that I thought was a really good group. Um, I noticed a, um, they, they played a video of a woman in Florida that had been scammed out of half a million dollars. And I kept thinking that name sounds really familiar to me. Why do I know this woman's name? And I go back to everything I have saved on my phone and lo and behold, her name was there with her bank account information. She was a, a money mule for him, a money launderer. So I reach out to the director of this group, and I tell them about this woman. And they they do kick her out because I have enough proof that she is doing the – you know, she's collecting money for him. But they don't do anything. They lead me to believe that they're going to contact the police in Florida, the FBI. They're going to they're going to do something so that they can, you know, she'll be punished if if not him. That I'm sorry, I'm her. confused. You're on a Facebook group, uh, a support group for people who've been catfished, and there are are catfishers in that group. Yes, there are. Holy shit! That's where they find some of their victims. Oh, so, you would think that would be the last place where they could find a victim. People who've already been a victim to the scam, right? Why go back to the well? Doesn't seem to make sense but to me. People do, but people they do. totally do. Now, now, without getting too heavy on the details here, because I just want to ask you something. Once you realize sure. that you were definitively scammed, how did that make you feel? I felt horrible. It wasn't about the money. It was about, as I've said a million times, my soul. I lost my soul. 
So I felt horrible. Does it make you doubt other things about your own life? Like, yeah, you consider yourself to be a pretty smart woman. You sound like you're very intelligent. You're well-read. And to know that, you know, even somebody of sort of your intelligence could be scammed in that way. Did that unravel other parts of your life? No, it didn't. It, in fact, it just makes me angry because they, when when groups like this start talking about victims, they generalize. They talk about that they go after middle-aged, divorced, lonely women, even intelligent, that are politically active, that they search for this. How they do that, I don't know. But that makes me angry because I was not any of those things. I wasn't looking for this. I wanted to learn how to speak better French. Right. So I, I did not let that happen to me. I refused to let him take over my life because then he won. If, if I allowed that, he was the winner. You, uh, you know, you described him as your closest friend and, but it was yeah. romantic too, right? Like, I mean, you had a romance going. Oh, yes, absolutely. Were you worried that he had images of you? I'm, I don't know if uh, you, you sent him nudes or not, but, you know, that seems to be the, the common thing now. Were you worried that he had images of you that he could, could have used against you? No, because I never did that. Atta girl. I know what you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, of no, course. I, I mean, uh, God, everybody seems to do it now. Everybody has, uh, you know, tit shots or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. In fact, he sent me some, so... Um, um, but no, I never, I never returned the favor. Okay, that's that. Do you ever wonder what would have happened had you sent him those pictures? I think he would have blackmailed me. Yeah, that would because they do. And that's a common thing with catfishers. I, my understanding is, it's they get these this information on you, or they get your uh, your these pictures, and they can use them against you. So, whew, that's a that's a yeah. money saved there. Absolutely. How do you think people are learning to do? this kind of catfishing at that level? Like, how are they learning to be so good at scamming people? Because they're being taught in Nigeria. Um, if you, when you get time, go out and search what's called the Yahoo Boys, you will learn that they are, they go to school for this. They have colleges in Nigeria to scam. They're, they, they sell pages on Facebook you can go out there and look, and there will be someone that will sell a profile on, on Facebook that will say, um, profile five years old, um, contact me for details. Because they want, when you're friending people, you want to see that their profile's been around for a while. It's not just last night or yesterday. So they're, I mean, they're very organized. Well, you know, because, you know, what you what you said was at the beginning of this conversation is that I realized that this happened. What year, by the way, did this happen? 2018. 2018. Okay, so recently. So, you know, Hillary and I are, you know, both uh, radio broadcasters. So we get a lot of friend requests and we get a lot of creepy dudes trying to slide into our DMs. And the same as you, you know, the waves start and so on. And uh, the thing I do is that I'm always curious to see if I am being catfished because, you know, we are so, I'm always very leery about the wrong people entering my life too. So I will click on their profiles and, and some people have like no pictures and no friends and right away, okay. you know, it's fake. But you're saying it's way right. more sophisticated than that now. They actually look like a real person with a real life and a real Facebook page? Yes, absolutely. Shit. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah, you have to be careful. Um, I, my 
profile is locked down, you can't even get close to me unless someone that I know knows you. But they they are very sophisticated, and they're not just on Facebook; they're on all social media. They're on Instagram. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But he was playing the long game. Like, how long were you guys chatting before you sent him any money? Like, six months? It was probably five or six months, yes. That's a long investment. And talking, like you said, hours a day. Yes. What If he had not gotten anything out of you, that that's a long game. He knew that I was financially secure. So it was worth the wait for him. Right. But he's not, you know, as much as I talk to him on a daily basis, they say, experts say that they're scamming probably five, six, 10, 15 other women at the same time. I really don't know how that was possible because of the amount of time that he spent with me. But they also work in teams. Anytime that I received a phone call or a text message, it was him. The voice could not have been fake. But, um, but I think... And, and and as we went through, after I knew who the real person was and um, trying to catch him, earlier this year, he reached out to me by email because I had him blocked and asked if I would unblock him. And I thought, okay, I'm going to play with him for a little bit. So I unblocked him and he called and he let me interview him. I got to ask him questions. Now... Whether all of his answers were true or not true, I don't know. But the one thing that he did say to me, because I asked him that question, why did you hang in there for so long? And he said that I was one of the toughest women he had ever tried to scam, that I was hard to get close to. And So you were a challenge also, for him, obviously. I was a challenge. Because, I, you know, the things we talked about, most of these scammers talk about the same things. They talk about a script that they have. Mine did not use a script. He wanted to talk about Roe versus Wade. He wanted to talk about abortion. He, I mean, we did not talk about, did you eat today? What are you wearing? They were real conversations. Right. Holy cow. He was, I, I'm a member of the ACLU. He, was, he wanted to talk about stuff like that. He said I was tough. And what he did tell me in that interview, that I would never find him, that they are shadow people, that he's been closer to me than I can imagine. Now, I know that they obviously travel. They make money. They live a good life. He could have been in the U.S. I don't know. He could have been in London. He could have been in all the places that he told me that he he makes a circuit. I don't know that he travels to on a regular basis. I don't know. But um, the most fascinating thing, I think, about my story is that I have found five other women that have been scammed by him. One in particular I found, or she found me, sort of, in March of this year, March or May of this year. A friend of mine on Facebook posted a comment that she had put on her Facebook page and said, does anybody know anything about romance scamming? And I replied in a private message back to my friend. And I said, I do. What can I do for you? And she said, my friend has been scammed out of $40,000. Can you help her? And I'm going to get upset. 
And I said, yes. So I reach out to the woman and I start talking to her and she's head over heels for this person. Just crazy, you know, for this man. And, um, I asked her some questions and I said, what's his phone number? Lo and behold, it's the same one. Oh God. Just same phone number. And, but with her, he's going by a different name. He's going by Gabriel. And supposedly he's German this time. And so for probably a good month every day, it was like the movie, The First 50 Dates. Every morning we would start over of me trying to convince her he was not real. She knew in her heart, though, if she was asking about romance scams, though, she knew it wasn't real, but she just wanted it to be so real that she made you the, the villain? Yes, oh, she did. God, that, Sometimes, and then she would apologize, Ugh. and she would promise me that she was going to block him, and she wouldn't talk to him. And then one Saturday, she called me because she was she was out, and she was trying to figure out ways to get money to him. And I remember sitting in my garage, and I talked to her for probably an hour to an hour and a half, convincing her, "Do not do this. Do not do this." And I was at the point with her that I was going to contact her family because she was just, as I said, head over heels in love with him. You know, there is a point, though. There is a point, though. I hear it. You know, Sherry, I, I, as much as I want to sympathize with this woman, in her heart she knew it was a romance. At what point do you say, I'm a grown-ass woman and I have to take responsibility for my life? I just, I don't under, I, I actually am having a hard time feeling for her. I know this is a terrible thing to say, but when she has somebody like you in her ear telling her that guy just scammed me for 20 K and she doesn't want to listen. Fuck sakes, lady, get your, your head on straight, straight. You know what I mean? Figure it out. It was, and it was, it was very hard for me because it brought my emotions into it because I knew it was the same person. Listen to me. I'm just hearing the story and I'm fucking mad. Um, Yeah, but Sandra, you can say that all you want, but how many times through our lives have we had friends whose husbands or boyfriends are cheating on them and everybody knows or they're treating them like shit, but they still can't remove themselves from that relationship because you lie to yourself until you finally hit rock bottom. I guess you're right about that. For me, it's about money. As soon as somebody, because I'm I'm so fucking cheap, if you want money from me, (laughs) right away, I'd be like, fuck off. I I can't imagine me ever giving money to somebody that I am not, um, you know, married to or I know that I'm promised to. I I don't know. But certainly someone I've never met before in person could I ever give a dime to. So that's that's that to me would be the biggest red flag. Yeah. When if I, I say this a lot, if someone had told me about this a year earlier, I would have laughed at them. No way. I'd never fall for this. But they know how to work you. Um, So with the woman, um, I I asked her to tell him that she was talking to me. I wanted him to know. And he denied that he knew who I was completely. Of course. About a week or so later, um, it was what was May because it was Mother's Day. I was coming home um, and my phone rings and it's him. And I answer the phone. And he he tells me to leave her alone, that it was none of my business. And then um, 
he hung up on me, but he kept calling back. They're good. I mean, I can show you on my phone where he would call me when we were in the heat of this, and he was trying to convince me to, to give him money. He'd call me a hundred times. Oh, God. You know, I have screenshots of this. I can still hear um, the, the pain in your voice from all of this, and I'm sure it, uh, there's a, a real healing process that goes in, you know, with this. But I just want to, in a broader sense, to anybody who's listening to the podcast right now and who might be starting a relationship with someone online, do you have any advice for somebody, any red flags that you could give to somebody that maybe they could open their eyes a little wider? Any, 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 anything? Oh. There are tons of red flags, and the first one is to do what you asked me if I did, which is the video chat. Now, I have learned that scammers can fake video chats. Um, uh, when they start asking you personal information, not to give it. And there just there's so many things that that they're so good at, at getting out of you. I didn't realize when he wanted to see pictures of my home and artwork that I had what he was doing. He was casing me. He was trying to figure out how wealthy I was. Um, they call you baby, queen, honey, my love. They're widowed. They're divorced. They've lost a wife or a child to cancer. They want to get you off the place where they met you to private emails or texts or Google Hangouts. Those are all red flags. Okay. That's that's great advice. And I know you're working on a, a book right now in the hopes that you will yes. be able to help other people. Um, so we wish you nothing but the best. But, uh, Sherry, when the book comes out, let us know, and we'll, t- and we'll give you a shout-out, woman. <laughs> I would love to, to do that. And I will, do want to tell you one thing is that my story is actually going to be included in the Senate hearing on the 28th with Mark Zuckerberg. Excellent. Thank you for all of that. Very Thank interesting. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Sherry. We with you, wish you Thank nothing you. but the best, and we're going to keep following your Thank story. You. Thank you. This episode is over, but the conversation doesn't have to be. Follow Hillary and Sandra on social. Instagram at Hillary on Air, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. Twitter at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. And on Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. Got a question? Email Hillary and Sandra, thequickandthedirty at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can download the podcast each week to your mobile device to listen offline. Find The Quick and the Dirty on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts.